Hey folks, thanks for joining us tonight on our live stream. We got Charlie Kirk, and you're going to get a chance to see this episode before he airs it on his. That's correct. And yeah, we got Pastor Rick, and we're going to get questions answered. Charlie's going to, it's just going to be great. So check it out. Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to this special Sunday episode of the Charlie Kirk Show. Super thrilled to be joined today with my pastor, Rob McCoy, and his pastor, Rick Brown. Yeah, well, that, we're co-pastors, co-pastors of God, God Speak. Something yeah. like that. That's right. Yeah. Good. Uh, great to have you guys on. Rick, you're new to our audience, so please introduce yourself. I'm Pastor Rick Brown. I've been a pastor for 31 years, and I am hang out, hanging out with a very exciting Rob McCoy. And because I've been hanging out with him, I am now, uh, I guess, uh, I'm not sure what to say. Hanging out. Yeah, I'm learning. Oh, I'm learning. Well, no, I'm, I'm growing. learning from you. And, uh, and I'm just excited about being with you guys and what you guys are doing in it for our nation. I mean, it's truly inspiring Thank you guys. You. So you. I know you might get a lot of shots, so it's nice to get uh, one little dink of uh, <laughs> encouragement. You know, he, he was the atypical pastor in America where, you know, he, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, mm-hmm. book by book teaching, solid Bible teacher, watched the church that he was responsible for grow to unbelievable proportions in Idaho, and was really apolitical for the uh, most part. Personally, I was very political. Personally, but I'm saying as, but a, as a minister. in the pulpit, I was not political. In our movement, we really learned to, hey, just leave politics out of the pulpit, tell mm-hmm. people about Jesus. And, uh, and I very passionately pursued that, um, that course. And I was in a conservative area, so I also didn't see the need. Yeah. Everywhere I looked there, uh, and uh, then I went to California and discovered socialism up close. And it, I mean, I was slapped in the face. And uh, well, Rob slapped me in the face. The culture slapped I me in the face. I didn't slap you. <laughs> Rob's kind of a pioneer of sorts. He is. Well, I, it was interesting how Rick and I would talk about stuff like that. And he, he'd look at me. He was very engaging and kind. But he's like, nah, I ain't doing that. Yeah. Uh, and then when, when we kind of saw the writing on the wall, and then our, our, our careers have paralleled. We, we trained under the same folks. And, but we've been in different places, uh, but trained under the same people doing the same thing. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, Rick sees what I'm doing. And he has started the Kingdom X ministry where he does consulting because he's mm-hmm. so good at what he does. Mm-hmm. He's, he's an organizer, unlike me, and uh, administrator. And then... He started to realize the necessity of it, and he's jumped in awesome. fully, and I, I'm just so amazed. Yeah, so. I've been very inspired by Rob, and 10 years ago, we were on a mission trip in Uganda, and he challenged me about some political things, right? Go and figure. He, yeah, exactly, go figure. And, uh, and I just rolled my eyes, and I'm like, Rob, you know, whatever. And I just, he said, you're going to be like one of those other guys and just stick your head in the sand. And I'm like, okay, that's me, and uh, let's go. We were doing a pastor's conference. Let's yeah. just focus on what we're doing. I really... Once again, I did not, the encouragement fell really for Rob, and I know it does for a lot of people on deaf ears, because they didn't see the peril that we see now that is on the doorstep. But Rob has been in this place for a very long time, engaging in his citizenship in a way that, honestly, now I'm ashamed of myself as, as a preacher in that sense. I feel bad about that. So, uh, no, I mean, it's nothing on you. I'm just, when you get a greater awareness of reality... Truth is, you know, the truth hurts. Mm-hmm. You know, the truth hurts. Yeah. So do you see uh, more pastors starting to absolutely to take, take notice of this? Yeah. We, we're, we're seeing it not as quick, quickly as we'd like, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, you've got, you've got contending ideas. You've got Russell Moore out there doing this stuff and then uh, Gospel Coalition and, you know, being apolitical and, and even in the Calvary movement, the same thing. And then over here, and it's, we haven't, we haven't uh, organized mm-hmm. But people are being drawn to it because they're looking for answers because their congregants are looking for answers. Yeah. I mean, these are trying times where people need to know what's going on, and yeah. we have to be prepared to do that. Yeah, amen. Yeah. You see more pastors starting to stand up? Um, well, I don't think that I'm speaking to groups of pastors in this season for the last, since all this started nine months yeah. ago, as much as you guys are interfacing with them um, because of... Uh, but uh, the one church I was really heavily involved with in San Jose is Mike McClure yeah. with the Calvary Chapel there, which He's I'm under going to attack. So yeah. I go there on Monday to spend a week for with him and his team and then awesome. preach, uh, preach on Sunday. He's facing a million dollars in fines. Yeah, a million dollars in fines. For remaining open. Exactly. And so this is the interesting thing. I, I only started um, Kingdom X Leadership Consulting two years ago, Charlie, and I consulted most of 
2019 with Mike McClure. And then I started 2020 with Rob McCoy. And the only two guys I consulted with are the tip of the spear to make a stand. Go figure. And you picked the right guys. I picked. The, that's it. You know, you picked the right guys. And so what a blessing. Yeah. Amen. It's been a great blessing. And Mike's, Mike's, Mike's really under attack right now. He is. And, you know, to his credit, I mean, I'm in, I'm in Southern California. Uh, I've got a sheriff that uh, won't enforce the, the uh, restraining order upon our church. So we're in a little bit better position. We're still getting fined. But Mike's up in the Santa Clara area, big mm-hmm. tech, mm-hmm. and uh, very liberal. And they are just dumping on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, a million dollars in fines remaining open. Yeah. It's just unconscionable. So... It's, it's sad. We, we need to really help him and support him. And for those people watching on the live stream, they see him at my phone. I'm not being yeah, rude. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're dealing with, it's been a little bit of a busy news week, <laughs> which is, uh, to say the least. I actually want to get into that. Yeah, Rick, let's Rick do it. you were yeah. there. I was there. I was, uh, walk boot, us through it. Boots yeah, on the speaking, ground. Speaking of DC. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, so I went, uh, I arrived to uh, spend time with the incomparable. Congressman Bob McEwen mm-hmm. and his lovely wife Liz, and to glean from then because I'm really on this fast track, Charlie, to absorb. Uh, I'm very solid, obviously, after 31 years in my Christian walk, my Bible, under, biblical understanding, but I'm uh, being baptized into this. So I wanted to spend those three days, and I thought it's a historic time. Yeah, no right kidding. for the nation. I was so I was so impressed you were there. Yeah, so I wanted to be there, boots on the ground, to spend time with Bob and Liz. Then I wanted to go in the day before, scope things out for the big rally on Tuesday. So on Monday, there's the Mm pre-rally. I didn't even know there was a pre-rally. So I showed up for the pre-rally at Freedom Plaza in D.C. and uh, engaged with people, asked people questions, seeing people from all different walks of life. And there was a worship thing going on there. Oh, there was a worship. I was sending videos of uh, of that uh, to Rob and Michelle. And then... In the morning, they were going to open the gates at Ellipsis Park at 7 a.m., but uh, the only thing I knew on the schedule, because really, it went together so fast, there really wasn't a schedule for the speaking. So I heard um, uh, an interview that Eric Trump was going to be on at 10 and his father was going to be on at 11. I said, okay, as long as I know the president's going to be on at 11, but how many people are going to come? We have no idea. So I thought, I'm going to get on the train because we're 30 minutes outside of town i'm going to ride the train to union station get off the train and at 6 30 and be there by seven yeah i mean i'm going to be there at the front easy, of the right line, front of the easy line. peasy just i get there i don't right in, right? i don't know if people camp there but when i showed up at dark thousands really thousands in in lines long lines lining up uh, to get into the park and i'm like how early did i need to get up right to make it into the park anyway that fast forward the park fills up we're shoulder to shoulder and the person to my right is coming from this perspective the person from my left is coming from this perspective the person in front of me is a uh, a believer that it was it was such a eclectic crowd all passionate about liberty amen and it was peaceful i mean people had their children on their shoulders there was nothing in it uh that um would even indicate that there was anything that would incite yeah and then, yeah, and it, it, the part that got me is he just felt compelled. That, that, you know, I think because every time I thought about going to D.C. and I wanted to go, but then you asked me to come out here to help you with the Georgia yeah, returns, which was great. Yeah, and I, I was I was thankful for it, but I honestly didn't have a piece about going to D.C. and mm-hmm. I was glad. I thought, well, Rick's there; he's covering for the church, and there's going to mm-hmm. be some congregants out there, mm-hmm. so he's out there. He's got that. I'll come to Phoenix and be with you, Charlie. But then Rick felt compelled to kind of walk away from it, and then that's when you heard that the Capitol had been breached, and yes. And it yeah. just, it, it, everyone that you were with, as you were telling me, none of them had any inclination. They were all just shocked by that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. We, we marched back and we're going back to uh, the Capitol. And we were just going to arrive because the, everything was unfolding, right? The electoral college is going to be counted. And, and we just wanted to show in a peaceful way uh, our presence and our voice. Mm-hmm. And um, people were gathered up on the steps and I had been up very early and slept about three hours a night for the last three nights. So I thought, I'm just gonna, I'm, it's been a great time. I'm exiting. And I was parallel to, uh, the Capitol and some people next to me, their phone dinged and they got the news. Hey, somebody's trying to breach the, and I looked over at the building and all I could see is all the people on the steps. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. And so I was just parallel and I'm like, 
I'm getting out of Dodge before everything breaks loose. So I headed to the Union Station, and um, they wouldn't put anything up on the reader board for the schedule. And I asked some officer there, hey, are they going to put this up? And and he, everybody really didn't know what was going on. So I finally went down to a platform, and there was a conductor actually out on the, the platform. And he said, I don't know what's going on, but no trains are going anywhere for the next little while. So they shut down Union Station because of things. What happened? That, yeah, I'm yeah. sure they have a pretty fast a lockdown. protocol or something. Yeah, so I got an Uber and got out of Dodge before the, the everything fell apart. Sirens, cops everywhere. Wow. Charlie, I, sitting with you on a few of the previous broadcasts and watching how you're, you're wisely navigating through just this deluge of information and videos and narratives and uh, people trying to, to push it in one direction or the next, but you're, you're, you're pursuing bringing clarity to what we're facing as a nation. Mm-hmm. I, I read to you the other night, I don't know if you wanted me to do it, but as a pastor contending with another pastor. Sure. And, and the two of us love the Lord. We believe the Bible to be the inerrant word of God. Uh, he's my friend and has been my friend, and I love this man. Uh, we're, we're from different political positions. Our, our skin color is different. He contains more melanin than I do. And uh, we, have, we have been friends that have, have pushed each other lovingly and have always publicly been together, unified. He texted me and he says, was this okay with you? I'm angry with exclamation points, meaning what had occurred at the Capitol. And I said, no. He said, I'm really upset. Um, And then my comment was just like BLM, peaceful people marching for the right reasons. Antifa and some uh, others, uh, Antifa incites rioting and the weak join in. They want us to fight against each other. And he says, no comparison. I said, our folks were there on the ground uh, as, as were our pastors. He said, nothing to do with you or God speak. This interrupts democracy with lies. I said, this is contrary to our live footage, firsthand accounts. Anger is what they want. So uh, if that is the response, we lose. He, he said, it's painful, Rob. I said, yes. He said, this was not Antifa, Trump supporters. It was not all peaceful, sad. And then I responded. And, and, and this is what we're dealing with as pastors, as a nation. I said, six months ago, the cap, uh, six, six months ago, the Capitol BL, BLM riots killed 30 people and billions of dollars in damage. I never once sent you a text or even considered blaming you or holding you responsible. The one death we've been informed of uh, is that of an unarmed California woman who was a 14-year Air Force veteran. I don't have the details on the other deaths. I've stood by you even when uh, I have disagreed with you and have never blamed you for anything ever. I have never expressed anger or malice to you. I'm not your enemy. I never have been. I will always, I have always been, and will remain your friend. And then I said, um, and this is this is where I want folks to hear. I said I do not condone, support, agree, nor believe the violence and destruction is acceptable, justified, correct, nor should it be tolerated. No one I know, um, affiliate with, or follow, to my to the best of my knowledge, had anything to do with it. It is wrong and did nothing to serve my beliefs or purposes of what I stand for and contend for. To affiliate, connect me, or those who stand with me to this horror is what hurts most. He says, I don't connect you with this. I'm discussing this with you, my friend. And I, that, that comforted me. I'm almost done. I said, I do not apologize for my immutable, God-given trait, nor do I apologize for the depraved, evil behavior and actions of those who participated in yesterday's horror even if they possess my immutable trait, meaning my color of my skin, I'm not them, and we are not all the same. I am a child of the King, and I will stand upon my character and honesty formulated in my life by God's Word, which was the connection at our beginning for our friendship and has been the glue that has kept us united. I love you, and I always will. And he said right back at you. So we're having to navigate through this. He, he has a different approach and a different mm-hmm. worldview. He's hurt. He sees these things. It's feeding his narrative. And it's so easy for us at those times to feed our narrative. Let, so, let's yeah. talk about the narrative that they think this is feeding. Yeah. Them, right. So what, what do they see when they look at that? All Trump followers are racist. Yeah, they see what they have been warned about, I think, incorrectly. But it's confirmation bias of this pent-up narrative yeah. of that 
President Trump is worse than just his policies. He's worse than just his remarks. <coughs> he has created a violent movement of mostly white people that are going to storm federal buildings and kind of do a Tim Timothy McVeigh. Yeah. Because they've been saying that out loud. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I think there's obviously those ultra right wing people mm -hmm. that are of that uh, element. And uh, like I said, there was a very eclectic crowd there to support Trump. And listening to the president's yeah. speech, there was nothing in it. If anything, you listen to it, it was it was nothing about violence. It was basically about letting your peaceful protest, let your voice be known to deal with this election fraud yeah. and then just to sort that out. But we had worship songs. We all prayed together the Lord's Prayer. And then there were people in the crowd that uh, were chanting, you know, F Antifa. And there's a different element as well. Yep. So those are all extremes. And I think it's there's no nuanced wisdom yeah. that, you know, just because you love liberty or you support Trump doesn't mean you all have the same character or you're coming from the same perspective. Right. It's very naive. Charlie, you you and Isabel brilliantly pointed out that if we don't have a shared history, we don't have a shared nation. Mm -hmm. And the 1619 Project, which is trying to pit us against each other by immutable traits, we share that history as ugly as it is, but we have to be honest about that history. We can't yeah. rewrite it to the way it fits yes. our narrative. We have yeah. to look at original sources mm -hmm. and go to that point. And, and the attempt to try to divide us by rewriting a history that didn't exist mm -hmm. and has been debunked is very problematic because if that's what's going to happen in this nation and we don't have a shared history as with with the good and the bad we have to really look at it but we have to look at it honestly yes not rewrite it yeah. and and uh that for me when you said that as a history major mm -hmm. i was moved mm -hmm. and i i'm thinking to myself doggone it he's 28 it just irritates me <laughs> so stinking that's 27. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I'll, be, I'll be 28 this year no i thought you i thought you had a birthday you went 27 28. Let me think about this. How old am I? <laughs> I was born in 93, so I'm 27. Okay. I, I get it confused. <laughs> people call me 28 when I'm 27. They called me 27 when I was 26. Okay, so, so you're 27. I'm 27. Yeah. I'm 56, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, My point still holds. <laughs> so, so, Rick, you say that we need some nuanced wisdom. Give us some of that. Yeah, the nuanced wisdom uh, is simply just because somebody's supportive of a president, there were people to my right that thought, if this doesn't get worked out and the voter fraud is not challenged, there was a person to my right that had a very militant, this is going to a civil war. He was talking about a physical civil war, not a civil war of ideas, not of dialogue, not of open dialogue with peaceful protest. You know, the guy to my right was more militant. And uh, some people to my left were more uh, peaceful and praying for the president and wanting to support. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's... Uh, to me and not to state it too strongly that it's really moronic to me to not have the wisdom being a pastor for 31 years and hearing so many people's different perspectives and their character mm -hmm. is that life it doesn't matter what color you are or what language you speak or any of those things yeah. it's about who you are and what you stand for and the majority and and i don't know what the percentages are but the majority of the people that were there all wanted to exercise for their First Amendment rights, and that is to peacefully assemble. Uh, yeah. Yeah, assemble. And that's what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of other people in the crowd. Yeah. Charlie, you had one of, uh, you were answering the emails, and the yeah. question came from the 15-year-old the uh, young black man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he was, yeah, and he that. was uh, moving towards conservative principles, actually to embrace them mm -hmm. to the consternation of his father yeah. and saying he's mm -hmm. betraying his race. That's right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had to step out, but my thought was he was, you, and you were talking about the Republican Party. And the thing that occurred to me is parties are platforms. They're neither moral nor immoral. They're amoral. They're only as strong as the people that participate in them. And you gather ideas. I would say the Republican Party is more accessible for people of diverse ideas, but it, the party's only going to be as strong as the infusion of those who have wisdom. Mm -hmm. And I, I was thinking of that young, that young man at 15 years of age. If he participates in this process and has access, he can design this party and make the tent stakes as wide as, as possible. But what we're seeing from the opposition is to completely erase an entire party, make it a one-party system. That's right. 
and and put everyone who holds conservative views on trial. Well, and that's dangerous. Why would you need freedom of speech if everyone agrees with each exactly. other? Exactly. Yeah. Why would you need First Amendment protections if everyone's in agreement? Because they've eliminated everyone else. Yeah, they have a club of uniformity or, you know, a conformity. Conform mm -hmm. to our ideas or we will censor you, we will cut right. you off. And that's not what we're all about as a there's nation. There's not diversity, there's conformity. Yes. And, and, and in, right. in your phenomenal presentation of, of critical race theory, mm -hmm. they really don't want us to critically think. No. Well, yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, and look, the, uh, the, actually the interview we had with James Lindsay, we still have to put up on YouTube from uh, Florida, which was great. Yeah. Uh, we, we put it up on our podcast feed. Mm -hmm. That guy's brilliant. Yeah, he's, he's phenomenal. Love that guy. The, uh, the issue that I find with kind of where this is currently headed um, and the, the labeling, you think about the, the, the statement, uh, you're betraying your own race, right? So you think about that. Well, that's actually, very, it's a very interesting statement because it actually baked into that assumption is that your race and your ideology actually must be intertwined together, which is by definition, a highly racist thing to believe. It is. Right? That Absolutely. Is. And so yeah. to say ever to anyone, could you imagine if I said to you, Rob, that you were betraying your race because you believed something? That you would be like, oh my goodness, you're completely mm -hmm. racist. And that would be a racist thing to say, right? It, it would be. And, and then to add that with, with Western culture, mm -hmm. which is influenced by the scriptures themselves, Correct. to attribute that completely to, to those who don't possess a certain amount of melanin, yeah. Uh, th that, that couldn't be more detrimental to mankind. Mm -hmm. Think about this. There, there are millions of believers in Africa, Christian believers in Africa. Mm -hmm. They didn't receive Christianity from missionaries. Christianity entered Africa from the Ethiopian eunuch that Philip led to the Lord when he went back for Candace's entourage. Mm -hmm. and, and Christianity was in Africa before it got to Europe, for the most part. And, and here, it, it, it's, a, it's a series of teachings that, uh, that is promising to all mankind in the beauty of the Imago mm -hmm. Dei, regardless of the tapestry, where you fit in that tapestry. Right. Mm -hmm. It sets all mankind free. But for those who want to oppress us, they need to attribute Christianity that I've come to set the captives free and, and label it to an immutable trait of whiteness. That's right. And that is the way that you are going to wipe out Christianity. Can I have a simple yeah, uh, PS? I said w things were shut down at Union Station. Um, I got an Uber, and this was this is kind of the junk's position of all of this. Sirens yeah. everywhere. Uh, whoever the radicals were that breached <laughs> um, the Capitol, uh, nothing that we support in this room. And yet, I'm getting an Uber because I realized just logistically I'm 30 minutes outside of town and I've got to get transportation. Right. And so um, the guy shows up and his name's Kofi. Hey, Kofi, if you're listening, give you a little shout out. Thanks, man. Uh, Kofi was from Ghana. And uh, so here's a black Uber driver from Ghana and um, he doesn't know what's going on, right? Because it was happening literally yep. minutes. And his wife's calling him on the phone. Hey, there's this special alert. What's breaking news? What's happening? Anyway, I go out on a limb. Here's Kofi, a black guy, uh, strong accent. And I ask him when he immigrated to the United States. It was 40. He's been in the States 41 years. Wow. Okay. And I asked Kofi, Kofi, I just want to ask you, I've, I'm hearing so much rhetoric about how awful America is. And you've immigrated. You, you made the trip yes. to immigrate to this. I said, is, as a black man an Uber driver, right? He's just a working class guy like myself coming from that place. And I said, is America as bad as everybody's saying it is, Kofi? He goes, he pauses because he, he, he wants to think, process it. He goes, absolutely not. You know, I mean, it, that's not his accent. I'm terrible with accents. Rob's great with accents. Anyway, he says, no, it's not. He said, America is wonderful. And he said, honestly, until COVID hit, um, he said, the only reason America is bad right now is because of COVID. And I went on out on another limb, said, hey, Kofi, uh, I'm a Christian. And he said, well, I'm an elder at my Pentecostal church. And him and I start fellowshipping, going down the road. And him and I had more in common in relationship. Forget the melanin in our skin. Forget the different yeah. 
country background, forget his uh, accent. We had more in common that I ha than I have with 10 other white people. I mean, it, it, to me, it, it makes no sense. There's no nuanced wisdom. It's no. this blanketing conformity and it's locked into- It's taking into, over the country. It's taking over yeah. the country. And we're bludgeoned into submitting or shutting yeah. up. The, the West is a very short experiment. We take it so for granted. Our kids mm -hmm. aren't taught what it even means. Mm -hmm. And we are now regressing while we have technology, which only makes the regression quicker. So we feel like we're progressing, mm -hmm. but actually just makes the regression easier. You think about mm -hmm. it's easier than ever to sped, spread really, really bad ideas to a lot of people because of the cyborg age, which I call yeah. it. Um, yeah. The human age ended as soon as these pieces of hardware. We're just looking down in. and but, walking but around. But look, like you have it. I've been yeah. checking it. You have it, right? So we're no longer human beings for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. We're cyborgs. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I think that you made a point at dinner yesterday where Congressman Bob McEwen has been around 70 years. Right. And he says, I've never lived through anything like this. I'm like, I wouldn't expect you to have. Because right. there's almost been a birth of a new, you know, like a quantum human in 2010 it's where- It's exponential. Isn't yeah, it? where it's everything gets amplified, yep. right? Where it's all captured in real time. But think about it. What happened on Wednesday, if that would have happened in 1910, there might've been some still photographs of it, mm -hmm. a couple eyewitnesses. Mm -hmm. That would have happened in 1950, there would have been some audio and some black and white footage. 1970, it would have made the nightly news, but happened in the today, everyone had it, watching it real time, and then the worst clips of it get cut, reinforced, and spread, and any dissension gets silenced. Yeah. So all of a sudden, it's designed to fit a super narrative, mm -hmm. right, to, in, to have people react in a very certain way. That is not a way that we're, we're, we as human beings are built to process information. Mm -hmm. um, but to, your, to, to both of your point, the stu students of our country and pastors that are embracing this critical race theory nonsense, um, it really is the, it's not just unbiblical, it is, it's anti-biblical. It's the antithesis of what the Bible teaches. That's right. Uh, which is that not, life is nothing more than a power struggle. Um, life is nothing more than a sequence of random events that you have no such power into. And the great evangelist of this thinking, which I encourage all pastors to really become well aware of, uh, and any pastors out there, please read his writings as Friedrich Nietzsche. You have to know what this guy believed because he's kind of the Saint Paul, if you will, or Saint Peter is probably a better way to yeah. put it. He's the first pope of the Atheist Church of America where he proclaimed in his writings, God is dead. Uh, he, he wrote very simple. He also came up with the phrase, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but, um, which is unrelated to his uh, theistic teachings. But yeah. he was the most outspoken anti-Christian writer. And he, more than almost any other writer, influenced the rise of the National Socialist Workers Party in Germany. Mm -hmm. um, and also with it, uh, Hegelian Marxism that came into the Soviet Union. He gave a license to atheism. Yeah. He, he was... Um, it's interesting, the uh, German front line in World War I, uh, over 600,000 copies of Friedrich Nietzsche were distributed to the front-run front soldiers. And then all of a sudden you wonder why they were so open yeah. to this ideology post-World War I. Yeah. When, when, uh, when, when you see the way it's infiltrated the church, and, and Rick, you can, you can speak to this, it says, and, and depending on someone's eschatology, study the end times, they say that even in the end, the elect will be deceived. And when I say that, they're deceived by the black tile, but even further, as you and I can testify to, mm -hmm. these folks that consider themselves conservatives, church-going folks, they're deceived by the Linwood, all, all the narratives that, that are just crazy out there. Yeah. And, and making them run after stuff that just distracts them yeah. and frightens them and pits them against someone else when really we have what we need in front of us and we need to pursue that and endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace and let people know who they are in the Imago Dei. But deceiving even the elect, you, you want to speak to that? Yeah, I think that's, uh, as Charlie was saying, it's all exponential. And I think that's the thing that is startling to us, uh, the, the exponential decrease in... Um, whether it's the narrative of propaganda. I mean, this machine that's happening here is exactly what they do in China, Yep. right? And it's, mm -hmm. you squish all dissent uh, or in um, Islam. Mm -hmm. I mean, they squish all dissent. That's right. And that's not what Western civilization, which is built on, uh, for those who haven't really studied it, 
It's it's from a spiritual reality, and then the Athenian reason and logic, and you marry those two things together because we have this. Um, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We have this creator mentality mixed with what the bi- biblical truth, and then uh, reason and logic. That's exactly we're, right. We're not unreasonable. We're not. We're logical. But so much of this is if you try to reason and logic with people, uh, it's like there's deadness to it mm-hmm. and it's em- emotion and passion yes and it's also because the um the postmodernists and nietzsche really kind of started this yeah. they are taught to believe that logic and reason are nothing more than uh mirages and aberrations to advance a western fallow logocentric power struggle which fallow <laughs> meaning man logo meaning of the logic centric yeah. that is the centric yeah so the men dominate everything through the patriarchy and that and that is literally a term they use. And, and I'm, I'm not tuned in to, uh, I mean, I haven't had my finger on the pulse of this decline politically from your, your vantage point, either one of you. F- for me, all the narrative and the rhetoric, just from yes. a, uh, I just call myself a, uh, a novice to this whole experience, it's victimization. Yeah. It, everybody's a victim. Everybody's, and, and it's to keep people in this, they convince them they're a victim, they want to keep them a victim, and they motivate them to violence or whatever it takes to overthrow those who have victimized them. That's right. And it's the exact opposite of Western thought, of Christianity, filled with faith, hope, and love. You're more than uh, a conqueror. In you're more than a conqueror. You can uh, get up and work hard, and you're going to accomplish Amen. something. Right. So, David Engelhardt. Pastor David, he is great. He's terrific. I I preached this on Sunday, and I took it from David, but it was a quote that he had posted, and I loved Mm -hmm. it. He says, the purpose of propaganda is not to persuade or convince, nor to inform, but to humiliate. And therefore, the less it Mm -hmm. corresponds to reality, the better. Mm -hmm. When people are forced to remain silent, when they are being told the most obvious lies, or even worse, when they are forced to repeat the lies themselves, they lose once and for all all their sense of probity, which means moral conviction. To assent to obvious lies is to cooperate with evil, and in some small way to become evil oneself. One standing to resist anything is thus eroded and even destroyed. A society of emasculated liars is easy to control. <laughs> I, I thought it was such a brilliant quote. It's great. Yeah. And, and, and we're not only being told lies that we're being forced to believe, but and from the left, we're being told lies from the right. That's right. Well, and I think that this has played a huge role in um, just just a lot of the nonsense in Georgia. I mean, I got a text from one of our friends who said, Charlie, even if we all would have showed up in Georgia, it wouldn't have mattered. And that that's a really dangerous way to think that human action, no matter what. I mean, mm. it's, um, it, yeah. and I'm not going to say who it is. He's a great mm. guy, and yeah. I'm gonna, I'll reconcile with it privately with him. But sure. I think it's actually um, it's a dangerous thing to believe that you ultimately would know what your human action would have resulted in. Um, I'm of the opinion uh, that you know more surely because you didn't show up. Then you know. It, then you could say very clean, you know, very clearly and cleanly. But some people have have the, have really, I think, been infected like a parasite with hopium. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, well, I deal with this every day. And so what I see in getting on the airplane with most of the people coming from the rally. When I flew uh, yeah. out of D.C. at six o'clock the next morning, and here's all these people, and they overhear all the buzz around me. That fatalistic idea is that it wouldn't have mattered how many of us went. Yeah, just give up. And uh, I heard, which I've heard a lot, and and it is true from my heart. I'm a father and a grandfather. I want to be passionate in this season of my life with the breath I have left to see the Republic saved for my children and my grandchildren. But what I heard behind me is somebody saying, I have, they were so devastated and defeated. I have children and grandchildren and now what are we gonna do? And I, I, can I just give a word of encouragement to anybody that's listening in, in this regard from a, a uh, Christian worldview, uh, why even have kids in this season? I can't believe this is happening with oh our gosh. kids. And this is my mindset. If, are you really a student of the Bible? Every child that made the difference in the world was born in troublesome times. Yep. Uh, imagine you have to throw your child in the Nile like Moses' parents. 
they put him in a boat in the Nile. They did his, you know, they, they did put him in the Nile. But you got this ogre, Pharaoh, making them throw their children into the Nile River and the crocs are eating them for appetizers. And that's going on. And Moses rises up. And then you have a Joseph who, as a 17-year-old kid, ends up a slave in Betrayed Egypt. by his brothers. Betrayed by his brothers. If Joseph would have pulled the, if anybody in all the Bible could pull the victim card, Joseph, it's Joseph. Throw him in a pit, sell him into slavery. Then he gets a good gig for a job with a, at least a decent owner. And then the wife the lies wife about him. Lies about he him. is the victim at every turn. Then he gets thrown in jail and he interprets two guys' dreams, the butler and the baker. He interprets them, their dreams and they forget about him. The only thing he asks him, hey, I'm gonna interpret your dreams, but would you tell Pharaoh about me, right? If anybody, that's why he's a hero for everybody that would what step up. What a good up. word, Rick. And, and I think of David. He's born in the times of the Philistines. Who wants to bring their kids into the world when you got a giant, almost 10 foot tall, shake, everybody's shaking in their boots? Well, let me just tell everybody, I am more stoked to live in this period of time than at any time in my entire life. This yeah. is heroic times that inspire people to action, not apathy, not, ap yeah. you know, uh, any of those things. And, and whether it's Daniel being hauled off as a prisoner of war to serve under the, the cruel tyrant of Nebuchadnezzar, or even Joseph and Mary bringing the savior of the world into the world, and Herod says, go kill those children under the age of two years of age. Yeah. And they have to be on the run. I mean, if you are really a conservative, biblical-oriented Christian, you're like, man, let's have a dozen kids and change the world. Yeah. Amen. I mean, that's, anyway, well, and anyone, just a short anyone, exhortation. Anyone who, com who starts to complain or play the victim, Job's a great example. God basically is like, are you done yet? Yeah, exactly. Who is, who is this said. who darkens my counsel with words and without knowledge? <laughs> you finished? <laughs> the, the Bible is a, an, is a phenomenal book. What makes the Bible such a different religious text than anything else is that it talks so poorly about its protagonist, which is the, the people of Israel, right? Mm -hmm. It's they're always screwing up, mm -hmm. which is who would write poorly about themselves? And he still loves them and pursues them. True. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, gonna... self self deprecation. That's yeah. right. <laughs> but also, it's it's a constant struggle of overcoming adversity mm -hmm. and to not just lay down and completely and totally give up, which is yeah. the human norm is to experience that it level is. of adversity and struggle. Last night, uh, just to clear my head, I, I turned on Band of Brothers. Mm -hmm. It's a great film. It, great film. Well, TV series, right? A TV yeah. series. Mm -hmm. And and I'm looking at Major Winters, who is the one that, you know, lived. He, he died just a few years ago, but a, an amazing leader of men. And he said on D-Day, uh, after it had concluded mm -hmm. and, and they had, you know, he'd seen so much horror. He said, I, I made a commitment to myself. And he's reciting it. This is verbatim. He said, I made a commitment to myself that if I were to survive this war, I'm going to go find a big plot of land and forever live in peace. And I think what we want is peace, mm -hmm. but he earned it mm -hmm. because he contended with evil to bring about that peace and he had the right to enjoy it. Yeah. We've enjoyed peace without having to fight for it and we yeah. haven't Amen. and we haven't been vigilant and now our children are being thrust into conflict mm -hmm. and we want to say, oh, it's going to hell in a handbag. Mm -hmm. I mean, if it, it, it's, it's worth contending for. Yeah. And, and these kids are going to be grown in adversity, ready to do that. And most of the folks that fought in World War II went through the Great Depression. Yeah. Yep. They understood heartache. They, they, they saw socialism on the mm -hmm. rise. They saw mm -hmm. people starving. Yeah. I'm excited for my kids. My son, Michael. I, I'm, my son, Daniel. I mean, they're looking at that going, Dad, man, this is... But they're processing it. And you're going to say that with your statement of we might as well give up, they have more hope than to listen to Greta Thunberg. Because yep. at least if we stop, you know, mm -hmm. using anything that has a fossil that fuel, maybe the footprint. world will live. Uh, where's your scriptures? Love hopes all things. Yeah. I mean, come on, people. Get with it. Yeah. And I, I was just thinking about this because people want to roll over and die and give up. And it's really a time to contend. It's a time in the public square, like we're talking about, in a peaceful mm -hmm. way, but with thought and words and not let people shame us into silence because that's the, yeah. the club they're using is yeah. to shame us. Well, I don't have a voice because I'm white and I'm middle-aged and I'm privileged and I, and, and I have this white privilege. I was raised by a ex-convict. I was in a trailer park. Weren't you? I was living 
Well, as close to that, I mean, I really grew up on food stamps. My mom was a bartender. I lived, raised. Oh, you hate pot pies. Yeah. That's all you ate. Frozen. You know, living out of the tip jar and those things. But your effort in life makes a difference. And you're not a victim. I don't care who you are. But I was thinking about this for those who would say, this is the end. We're going towards socialism because you could speak to this more than me, Charlie, but 60 to 70 percent of millennials lean yeah. towards or have embraced socialism. Mm-hmm. And I go, OK. So for the Christians, I tell them, has Christianity flourished under every single type of governmental authority for 2000 years? In China, it's the underground church, right? And uh, in Islam, there's Christians that are, I mean, people are becoming Christians. Socialism, uh, monarchy, uh, anarchy, like Somalia, there's, there's Christians there. There's, you know, no, uh, as far as- I wouldn't as say flourish, but survived. Survived. Well, that's what I'm saying, is that sometimes things have to get darker before people finally wake up. And we've mentioned this about the sleeping giant. And I think, honestly, the best answer for a lazy church and that's what i believe it was uh, g campbell morgan said that the church persecuted is the church pure and the church unpersecuted is the church impure and right now we're seeing the threshing floor and the separating of the wheat and the chaff yep. those who got the guts to follow jesus and those who do want to do it publicly and they're not ashamed of it and those who are going to cower in the corner and basically uh, put up the black tile, whatever I need to embrace. How can I fit in? I know I sh- I'm ashamed that I should be white. I'm colorblind. I don't care what color you are, man. Who are you as a person? Mm-hmm. It's, I, it's a, that's like a mic drop right there. Yeah, it's really good. That's really good, Rick. Yeah. I don't have a mic yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're right here. They just don't drop. <laughs> it's good. Um, we are, the, the country is, is definitely going up against, I, I've said this before, I think that the great, if I was a leftist, it's so helpful to think if you were kind of a secular leftist, what yeah. would you want us to do? And the greatest thing you could possibly do to defeat your enemy is to give them to give up. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah, right. That is the greatest weapon. And so to reinforce apathy, if I was a leftist, I would be running mass media telling everyone to give up. Which is basically what they're doing. Yes. They said that the Western world was saved by the English language because it was Churchill who was so phenomenal in the way that he parsed his speeches. He would even, the only time he used a French-based word was when he talked about surrender. <laughs> he, he, he was so equipped in the English language. Après nous les déluge. <laughs> which means after us the flood. <laughs> it's a typical French phrase. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. You said their two greatest inventions are the, the tourniquet and the and white flag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, we're pretty hard on the French here. Yeah. But, but he, he, he saved Western civilization by the clarity of, of, of the word that yeah. was true and brought them hope. And yes. if we really believe the Bible to be the inspired yeah. and errant word of God, mm-hmm. and that it's true, mm-hmm. and that that word spoke the heavens into existence— and he calls himself the the, the logos or yes. logos or logos or how, I've heard thousands yeah. of. Yeah. If he calls himself that, and he says, mm-hmm. "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was mm-hmm. with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became mm-hmm. flesh, dwelt with man." Yeah. If we believe that to be true, then it that that truth still has power to change lives. The yeah. spoken word to stand yeah. upon it and to stand upon truth. And whatever things are true, mm-hmm. so that's why. And I, I must say it again. That's why sitting at this desk. As as we still have this audience before they they may shut it down because yeah. we'll the, find o- another one. Yeah. the the only way that that a lie can mm. be perpetrated is to silence the truth and the truth must never be silenced. Yeah, and you just keep rightly dividing it, sift through all of the, you know, the propaganda and everyone's narrative and just show people the truth. That's why mm-hmm. the press was supposed to be the ones who would report the truth, but now they report a narrative. Yeah. That's why this is such a critical program. Amen. And I really do believe it's a, it's a war of truth. I was telling somebody the other day, you know, when the children of Israel went to war, do you know that they actually had a chapter in Deuteronomy 20 about warfare? How you go to war? How do you prepare? Yep. If the enemy comes in like a flood, right, this is what you do. And he, he walks them through it. He says, you call for the priests. And uh, Rob and I have the blessing of, of being uh, representatives in that way to be a voice 
for God's people, and you speak to the people. This is what we're doing even here today, Yeah. right? And so we're speaking, and it says, do not be afraid or faint-hearted because I'm with you. Yeah, don't give up. What, what, what's the answer immediately when the enemies on the doorstep are overwhelming you? Hey, I'm with you, right? God's with us. We have nothing to be afraid of when we remember the presence of the Lord. And you forget God's promise. You don't have to be afraid because he's with you. My, my father, naval officer, we were in the, the war riots um, in the in late 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. I was a young child in Washington, D.C. My dad was stationed at the Navy Yard. I remember being there, and I remember being frightened as we were there for America Day, and then the protesters were out there. And I remember his... He had beautiful hands. He's mm-hmm. since gone to be with the Lord. And he just put me behind him. Mm-hmm. And the comfort and the security that I'm with him mm-hmm. just settled me because I was there was anxiousness about me. Mm-hmm. And when you see the word discouraged, it just means without courage. That's right. You want to yeah. remove the discouragement? Yeah. Find some courage. Yeah. Exactly. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. I have been young, and I have been old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging bread. Yeah. The Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into him. They are saved. These yes. are. This is yes. what you should be giving to your family and your yeah. kids. Yeah. Not 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 this defeatism, not this right. fear. Exactly. Don't buy into this narrative. Yeah. They they want you to be discouraged. And it's time for courage. And we're not going to become those who are um, victims. We're not victims, you guys. Nope. None of us are victims. Even if you were in communist China, you are a, a more than a conqueror because God is going to do what he wants to do. The, the rules of warfare, he, he goes on to say, hey, if you've built a house and you haven't been able to live in it, then don't come because, you know, we want you to enjoy that. And, and, you know, you planted a vineyard, you haven't eaten the grapes yet, don't come. We're, we're going to be out here fighting the battle. Now, some of you guys are building homes and uh, you're having a glass of wine. And uh, <laughs> it's our, we're in this seat where we're fighting the battle. Now, one of us, the, the, the third one is, now, if you're engaged to a woman oh, yeah. and you haven't married her yet, right? Well, go do that, Charlie. And, and we know that the engagement has happened. But it, anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I plan to. I know, I know. Oh, no, 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 I, I, I don't have anything to do is, with that. Is that one of the rules? It, yeah. No, it's one of the Yeah, the you things. spend a year with your wife to get to know her before exactly. you go back onto battle. What I'm saying is... We'll you, talk to you about it later. Is you're fighting the battle, right? So you're fighting the battle. The country will and the last one, this one's the one that kills me. These people are all engaged in things, and there's uh, uh, the rest of us will go fight for you. And then the last one is, if you're afraid, go home, because your fear is going to fill the rest of us with fear. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And that's yeah, it. I love that. And it, it's contagious. Do you know that courage is contagious? And so is discouragement. And fear. so is fear. And so uh, what are you bringing to people? Are you bringing, uh, I mean, it was such a blow. You, you saw such devastation right this week. Yeah. And, but uh, you're bringing courage. Yeah, Both I, of you I, guys I are bringing to, courage. And I, I got pretty fired up in one of my live streams recently, and I, I don't regret it because the guy deserved it. He's had this whole diatribe on Civil War and all the different tactical gear he had, and I just had to swat it down one of the emails. Yeah. But I do have to, un- I, do have to I think, have a little bit more understanding uh people are really despondent right now they are yeah. like next level despondent right um i'm not there yeah i'm actually not i mean i'm no. angry i'm upset mm-hmm. i'm saddened but mm-hmm. it was always baked into my calculation that this could happen mm-hmm. and i i told everyone i'm gonna wake up and keep working i mean yeah yeah you did i, you I did. remember the question right, being yeah. asked of you so right. i'm gonna work the next day and what yeah. did i do yeah, yeah. Got up and went to work yeah rick when when joshua pro- approaches uh the uh the the commander of the Lord's army. Yeah. And he says, are you for us or against us? Yeah. And it, we, we look at it as uh, a Christophany, appearance of Christ in the right. Old Testament. Yeah. And he says, neither. Mm-hmm. Right? And he says, neither. That's right. So in the political world, you have a spectrum. Mm-hmm. You can go left and right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look mm-hmm. at it more as a horseshoe. And, yeah. but, but let's just say left and right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you're going to have militants on either end. It's like kind of yeah. like a church tug-of-war. Yeah. Yeah. you got the big heavy-sit militants that never talk to anybody on the other side, and they just wrap the rope around their, just the heaviest people in church, and they're going to be the anchors. But the people who are closest to the mud pit, they're having interaction, and they're, mm-hmm. they're contending with one another. But, but along these lines, you're going to have these folks that are militant. Yes. And then there's going to be pieces all the way through it. Mm-hmm. When, when you're looking at these different levels of act activity, the mm-hmm. one thing that spans the en- entirety of that tug-of-war is Christ. That's right. He Amen. speaks to every segment of that population. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And the question is, are you free mm-hmm. or are you enslaved? Mm-hmm. Th- that spans the political spectrum. That's right. That's right. But the politics is still necessary to contend for the ecclesia on how we live together. Yeah. Will that put us into greater slavery or mm-hmm. will it give us freedom to experience the Imago Dei to pursue excellence? Yeah. Or are we all going to be uh, conformed right. with this Tower of Babel where we all march the same way and we're robots? Or we just, do we see the diversity that Elohim, unified diversity, mm-hmm. w- the flowers on the field, different colors, but they're just a tapestry of beauty? Yeah. Or are we going to have to all conform to be one set? Is there freedom? Mm-hmm. And that's Liberty. the difference in creation, that all mm-hmm. of us have that Imago Dei. Yeah. And, and Christianity speaks to the freedom of man. Mm-hmm. And if the pulpits aren't doing it, mm-hmm. the political structure dissolves yeah. into enslavement. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And an oligarchy of some capacity, yeah. whether fascism, socialism, you know. Right. Go ahead. No, I don't want No, it's just a, it's an interesting question. If you were to get... A hundred students, and you ask them what builds civilizations. Mm -hmm. The answer is uh, usually not easily grappled with, with, because no one talks about that, Mm -hmm. right? And so, how how does one build a civilization? Mm -hmm. You can go through the ancients; uh, they kind of just stumbled backwards into it because of proximity to Mm -hmm. water. Mm -hmm. Uh, These were the riverbed civilizations of the Indus River Valley, the Nile. Uh, Mesopotamian mm-hmm. and of course the Yangtze, mm-hmm. but what builds civilizations outside of just proximity to natural resources? Well, it's you could either build civilizations for good or civilizations right. for mm-hmm. bad, mm-hmm. and we've seen both. Most actually all pretty awful and brutal. What made this civilization different, though, is uh, there was activist Christians that actually built this place. Yep, yeah. and it will be completely and totally upon activist Christians whether or not this will continue. It's that simple. Yeah. And, and using that word activist because it's been so messed with, mm-hmm. I would just say... I mean it positively. I know you obviously. do, yeah. but, but, yeah. I, but I want to encourage people You're with, an activist Christian. That's yeah. what I mean. Uh, You're uh, an activist yeah. Christian. And I receive it that Being way. Being aware, yeah. see, reading the news, knowing what's true and what's not, influencing your community. Well, these are the... the other kind of... These practice. are the things that I, I knew, I, I, I even taught, um, that... There's only three institutions that the Bible institutes, right? You have marriage, the Lord, the marriage and family that the Lord creates in Genesis 2. And then you have um, the church because there's sacrifice and forgiveness of sins, whether it's them being covered with animal skins or Abel's official first worship service that the Lord blesses uh, in Genesis 4. And then there's the government, there's the state. And the Lord's organized these three institutions. We have, um, after Noah comes out of the ark, he talks about it in Genesis 9. And Noahic so, covenant. Yeah, that's right. So I talk about those things. But even as a pastor, knowing that the Lord created three institutions, marriage and family, I was all about it. Okay? And the church, or forgiveness for sins, right. and, and a spiritual center for people. I'm a pastor, right? But when it came to the government, to be salt and light, my simple adage was pray for your leaders like First Timothy 2 declares and then use your citizenship, vote. That's as far as my activism went, yeah. right? But uh, get involved to be salt and light on the school board and run for city yeah. council and county commissioners and for governor and engage the public square. This is where I fell short. It's a three-legged stool. If, you, if God's involved in your marriage, it's gonna do well. If he's involved in the spiritual center, you're going to do well. And if you leave him out of engaging in the public That's square right. as a citizen, a three-legged stool will only stand if all three legs are strong. And that's exactly what you were speaking to. The, the forefathers put all three of those things yeah. together, and we got the greatest nation in the history and the greatest experiment of a republic or and they stumbled backwards into it they didn't just wake up in 1750 and say you know 26 years from mm-hmm. today we're going to go dissolve ties mm-hmm. they fell backwards into it it was mm-hmm. the first great revival in our country first great awakening yeah there was a great awakening and then Whitfield the dec- and Jonathan Edwards and, and the mm-hmm. declaration of independence was preached from the pulpits of America before it was penned by Jefferson mm-hmm. yeah. I mean there's there's pastors that you can take full clips out of their sermons mm-hmm. that exist in the declaration he of independence. was just he wasn't 
declaring and he was not expressing anything that wasn't already right. articulated in the they, country. They had learned it in the, in the pulpits. And I believe it was really supernatural wisdom that was poured upon them as they yes. were working in that constitutional meeting, right? And they were at a logger's head with all of these ideas to put into it. And they went to fasting and prayer. It's very much like Solomon in here having a baby and two women saying, it's, it's my baby. And he calls for a sword to get to the heart of the matter. And the, the mom that, that yet yeah, please let my child lie. Don't, don't, don't split my baby in half. Because he's, hey, let's just split this in half and let's do this. And, and they prayed, fasted and prayed. And I believe the Lord gave them supernatural wisdom, the sword to cut through really so many human issues and to give us a spiritually inspired biblical perspective of a creator and our unalienable rights. Amen. And it's up to us to save it. That's right. That's right. I, I, well, from, from that, when he walked out of the Constitutional Convention, Benjamin Franklin, when he had called for prayer, mm-hmm. he said, Spare does fall, fall from the sky without God's knowledge. How can we you know, build a government without his help, beseeching right. his help? And then the woman says, uh, Mr. Franklin, what form of government have you given us? And he says, uh, Republican, madam, if you can keep it. And it falls to us. Yes. That republic uh, has to be of a moral people. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we've got, we've got yeah. to help people. Be, be free. Well, so, if that wisdom was available for them then, Charlie, in the Lord, it's available. James 1.5. For, it's a, it's ask a, for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. It's available for us. Anyone who lacks it, just ask. He'll yeah, give freely. It's to one continue. of the few things he'll give freely. Amen. It's wisdom. Amen. So on uh, January 21st, I will be at Jack Hibbs Church. Great. Uh, if everyone wants to come What about by. January 17th? And then I'll be at the God Speak on the 17th. We That's get great. you first. That's right. We're chopped liver. It's okay. Well, yeah. by the by the way, Charlie, January seventeenth, yeah. when you come, Sean Sean Foyt's going to be there. Yeah, doing the worship. Right? He's going to do the worship, but then we're going to have many pastors from across the country That's that awesome. have stood in opposition to tyranny, and we're going to sign that declaration, uh, and it's and we're going to pray over it and sign it, and it's going to be awesome. a big day. So folks are encouraged to come on out. Yeah, on, Saturday night, seventeenth Saturday. Saturday night. we're going to be having some dinner with the yeah. the, uh, pastors the pastors, and uh, then bringing it. For uh, it's a, it's Charlie's going to bring day, it. Charlie. You, you guys are going to bring well, it on for that Sunday. Sunday uh, we will. We'll, we talked about this. We're going to come up with the three to five bullet qu- points of questions. Yes. And you have to have all these checked. If you say, "What do I do? What do I do?" Great question. You got to check these three, yeah. Yeah. which is uh, one of them. For example, that we talked about for a Christian is: Do you know every single school board member personally? Have you taken them all out to lunch? And or do you have plans to influence the next school board election, maybe running yourself? Yeah. If the answer is no, don't ask me what what should you do? That's just one. Right. I, I agree, yeah. Charlie. I, I was laying those out at dinner last yeah. night. Or not not those. I was saying we need this list of things to just, that's just practically check, just boxes. And I was wanting to declare to pastors what to do. And Charlie, in his wisdom, who has a lot of conversations with pastors, said, I believe it's best to ask questions and have them respond and engage. And, uh, do you see so, that that was the better way to do it? I right? thought it was 100%. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're restoring the third leg of the stool. Yeah, amen. And I, and I believe that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. It's a great opportunity. But wait, Charlie, I, I, I ask you what I'm supposed to do. I did all these things. I bought a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> I send visceral emails to my friends. Yep. Well, look, the, uh, I will say that it's better to have thousands and thousands and thousands of emails of people that are asking what to do yeah, amen. than have an inbox where no one cares. Yeah, where no one cares. And I could tell you this, though. I get a lot of emails from people in Eastern Europe, the, the Estonian email yep, I got, yep, yep. and yeah. from Italy and Greece and Spain. I'll just use Europe as an example. And they say, Charlie, no one cares in our country. No one. And it's, it, it is what happens just with this kind of parliamentarian apathy, which is give me stuff. Yeah. And the one thing that does give me hope outside of all of this, hundreds of thousands of people showed up to Washington, D.C. on a long shot just yep. to celebrate a president. What other country is that happening in, you know, in, on the planet? Yeah. And that goes to show that President Trump, one of his longest lasting legacies will be all of a sudden this, reignition, this reignition of participatory citizen government. I just pray... And this is up to us that it doesn't get lost because of the correct, the good conversations we've been having around voter integrity. All of a sudden, people say it doesn't matter. I'm done because yeah. no matter what I do, they're going to change my votes. They, they we do. have yeah. to be careful with that. Yeah. yeah, right. I agree. Well, it also be a pruning process. Most people are saying, "What do I do?" And the reason why they're asking that question is because nobody's led them, and they've never been educated. And it's time for leaders, for mm-hmm. shepherds to start doing your homework, studying to show yourself approved, and start leading. For lack of a vision, the people perish. But, but we have gonna, a responsibility. We're going to create, we're going to ask people every time, do you have your boxes checked? 
That's what we're going to say from this point forward, right? Do you have your boxes checked? I think that's a great way to approach it. And we need those those beginning steps. And, and that's just the beginning. And to teach and instruct. You know, I was so in, impressed, not only with the whole Student Action Summit, Thank Charlie. You. you got Your whole team did a phenomenal job. I mean, aren't, aren't they, aren't they, they worked so hard. I, I want you to know how much hope that filled me with. Thank because you. as a middle-aged guy that's loved our nation, when I saw that place and all the kids waiting outside, they wouldn't even let I them know, all in. This is, that's a tragedy. What, that was yeah. sad. But uh, high schoolers and college-age kids in there so excited about a conservative worldview it just oh it thrilled my heart and to see christy gnome there so good. and and she said i have taken the opportunity and i thought it was such a great word for every desantis mm -hmm. and christy are really leading the way don't you think Emily? they are two of the, they are the two best governors in america two best far. i yeah. that that's my assessment and she said i believe our job for our nation or uh, for my people in this uh, in south dakota is to teach and instruct and trust them with personal responsibility. Yes, good word. Not to, but the same thing for us, right? Teach and instruct. In personal and, responsibility. And, and their per personal responsibility. It's on you, man. Amen. It's, it's on them. And that's what makes the American experiment different than any other, yeah. is this idea of trust of the citizenry. That's right. And you only yeah. give trust to people that have earned it. Yeah. You, you don't give you know, the keys to the new Cadillac to an eight-year-old. <laughs> They right. haven't earned it, right? That's right. And so we as citizens need to, we need to have, the, the, get our leaders to trust us again to give us Amen. our liberty back. But that Amen. all starts with the church. When you have an informed, yes. prayerful yeah. citizenry, then you are able to deal with liberty. Because liberty is a, it's a thermonuclear weapon if you don't know what you're doing. Well, I think that's why people don't understand why the church is so essential. When the, the, the nation of Israel went through this, right? Their city was destroyed and they were dispersed all over for 70 years because God was disciplining them. And when they came back, the first thing they had to rebuild was the temple, the yeah. spiritual center of the nation. And then they could rebuild the walls, which were the defensive mechanisms of the nation. And then they could take over the rest of the country. Do the Congress. So it's got to be body, soul, and spirit, but it starts with, you know, Peter said, judgment begins with the house of God. Everything begins with God's people. Amen. And in the Constitutional Republic, we should take note from all the people in the Old Testament that influenced the king, Joseph, for example, mm -hmm. uh, Esther, Mordecai, yep. Jeremiah, Daniel, and that's not an exhaustive list. No. But who are, who's the Esther, Daniel, Mordecai in our country? It's you. You're supposed to be the counselor. The church is mm -hmm. supposed to be the counselor. To the that's king. right. That's, and that's why the founders had comfort as Christians mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not putting in a national religion, but they're, mm -hmm. but instead giving the freedom of, because they said, as long mm -hmm. as we have the freedom of, Christians will influence this government. Mm -hmm. uh, I, earlier this week, I heard Graham Allen say, we're the pastors in this hour. And I, mm -hmm. I, I tweeted back to him, I said, I'm right here. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm with Rick. You know, it's like, they're, they're, we're out there. Um, and it's growing. And it's growing. And I, I've, I have been so pleased to meet, you know, Greg Farrington, yep. both of you guys, uh, McClure. Mm -hmm. uh, James Cadiz, Ken Graves, Jurgen, uh, Jack Hibbs, who deserves a special shout out, who is yeah. as bold as ever. Um, James Cadiz. Yeah, James yeah. Cadiz. Yeah. Phil Green. Yep. Right? Uh, Frank from. Um, Greg Locke. Yeah, Greg Locke. Frank Ram 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 Ramsauer. Yeah, Frank Ramsauer from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, to Cody Cool. Cody Cool. These are all guys that have completely opened Randall, their church. Um, in uh, California, uh, San Clemente. John Randall. Yeah, I don't know if I've met. No, no. Uh, no that's San Juan Cal Ca Capistrano. Capistrano. San Juan Capistrano. I'm speaking there on yeah. the evening of the 17th. Yeah. We'll Who's your friend up in uh, northern Idaho? Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. we, we Frank? We, I want to say it's Frank or oh, something. Oh, gosh. I, Candlelight. Yeah, and I, I, it's killing me because he's such a precious brother, and you did that to me. And I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm angry. I, I'm, I'm 56. I'm getting these moments. I'll pull it up right now. Okay. Really he, great guy. Precious. Yeah. I've been praying for him, too, and I can't even remember. And yeah. making such a stand up there in northern Idaho. And uh, I love that country. He's just not on the text string. we got to get him on the text string. That's why he's not. Adam. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll do it right now. So, yeah. uh, Paul. I want to say it's Paul. Paul. It is Paul. That's right. Yeah. Paul, just yeah. I'm going to put them on right now. Um, These guys are heroes. They you, are. No, you, so you two are heroes. This no, is, we're not yeah, heroes. Yeah. Those pastors yeah. are heroes. Rob's a hero. Yeah. Um, and But they're out there, mm -hmm. and they're growing, mm -hmm. and there will be more. And uh, it's Paul Van Oy. That's right. Whoop, whoop. Shout out. A Dutch name. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Boondie, <laughs> um, boondie. Well, I think that's the thing that people don't, people don't understand. To, to be heroic simply means that you 
you are willing to do in scary times what nobody else is willing to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, you're willing to make that stand. And if you're not willing to throw down now in this time of our nation, like you think it's going to get better, they have no idea what, how the shrinking control of government is, is coming. Uh, if Germany could throw the brakes, right, on uh, Nazi Germany 10 years before it happened because of what was developing, and you see it when you read Bonhoeffer's book. That's right. It was all on the horizon. It was all coming um, when you read Bonhoeffer's. Uh, and the bike. church just kind of hedged a little bit. Yeah. And, yeah. There, and the gospel, the false gospel of Friedrich Nietzsche was growing. And the, so, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and you know what they used? They used Martin Luther's own words. The church, the founder of the Lutheran Church of Germany, because he went in his later years, he went through a bad spell of being anti-Jewish. So they used the church, yeah. they used the leadership of the church to bludgeon and shame the people into submission, even it. your spiritual leaders. And that's what's happening when you put a black tile on your door. You're, they're using the leverage of the facade, really, and that's all it well, is. Look how good of a person I am. Yeah, virtue signaling. Well, this has been fun, guys. Thanks, Charlie. So uh, January 17th, yeah. Godspeak. Yeah, Three services. Yep. Services. Right? It's spectacular. You can right. check it out at godspeak.com. And then um, I want to say thank you because I, I was not an Instagram guy, but you, you've like. Let, so what's your Instagram? I, Rob underscore McCoy. I, well, you you made it go crazy. Cool. Yeah. And hopefully you don't get deleted soon. Yeah, whatever. And do you have Instagram? No, but I'm going to get everything. I'm the anti-social don't, don't, media don't. guy. We're all going to walk away. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do think that people have to use their devices less. Yeah, I've amen. Been, I said that at SAS. You I did. That resonated with. And it actually affected me. It was good, was, right? I, oh, I was blessed by it. Yeah. I thought it was one of yeah. your best presentations. Thank you. It's yeah. very kind. And then this night of the seventeenth at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. Did I get that right? Yeah. And then the following uh, Thursday. Week, Thursday. And I did this intentionally with Jack. Yeah. Who um, you introduced me to Jack, and Jack is a great American. He is. And. He, He's never said no, just like you. And I said, Jack, I think people are going to be pretty depressed and despondent mm -hmm. the day after, you know, right near the inauguration. He said, let's go do a massive happening now. He's like, I love it, brother. Like, I want to be in the it. front row and join it. Well, right. and I just think that, you know, we're going to have some good stuff to share. Well, so, I'm so excited. Chino Hills, if anyone's listening, wants to come on the 21st. Since this is a Sunday podcast, can we have yeah. Rick Yeah, please. That's, let's do it. Will you pray for everyone? Let's do it. Father, thank you for your incredible love. Lord Jesus, we just want to declare from our hearts we love you. And we thank you that you're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the, of the, and the end. And uh, Lord, you are the author and finisher of our faith. And Lord, what you have begun this good work in us and in our nation, Lord, you will bring it to completion until the day that you come again, Lord Jesus. So we just commit our ways into your hands. Lord, just bless Charlie, strengthen him, bless Rob and myself, uh, strengthen us to be a voice for your kingdom and for our citizens, for our nation, Lord, and for the world. In Jesus' name, amen.